Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is LogFitz6 on Twitter, Logan for short, and we touched on a wide array of topics. Logan is the co-founder of Body Optic, which is the home for maximizing your body and life's potential. And he is somebody who's been interested in fitness and becoming all you can be for quite some time. So it was a natural chemistry and natural, there are natural synchronicities in the way we approach life. And so we spoke about random topics like how he taught himself guitar when he was nine years old. But we also spoke about his deep philosophy, like how insecurity actually leads to progress. Overall, incredible time. This is the backup Riverside recording. And so I apologize for any audio issues. And it kind of ended abruptly towards the end of this episode. And so I apologize for that. The audio and, and video didn't sync up, but that's neither here nor there. Hopefully it's still a nice listening experience from your end. And if you have any thoughts about this episode, let me know on Twitter at Hey Danny Miranda. That's all for me. Let's get right into the episode with Logue Fitz 6. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Logan, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast, long overdue, and it might be the first one where the guest is outside and... You might be able to hear the birds in the background if you're paying attention. But uh, Logan, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm really honored and humbled that you finally made your way here. Yeah, dude, it's long, long, long overdue. Uh, I remember the first time you and I talked on the phone, and we talked for like two hours, and it was a really great conversation. Probably at this point, that's like what two years ago. Could have um, been. And yeah, man, I'm I'm happy to he- be here. Uh, happy to you know answer, share some of my experience, whatever. Bring some birds to you guys. I'm outside in Miami and my little fiefdom here. Um, but yeah, man, happy to be here. Hell yeah. So let's start it off with age nine, teaching yourself to play guitar. What was that like? Uh, dude, that's like, I have like two regrets in life. It, one is putting down the guitar for as long as I did. And the other one's not wrestling in my youth and high school. Those are my two sole regrets in life. And I've done a lot of dumb shit, right? Like a lot of dumb shit. Um, but yeah, man, that was, so my dad, I'm really close with my dad. And when he was, my parents are divorced. And so the house I grew up in for a good percentage of my childhood in sunny Mansfield, Ohio, it's funny. They got like 10 inches of snow today. It's reason 800 why I'm in Miami. Um, with the house I grew up in, it was my dad during his like bachelor days, Um, so like probably age three or four to maybe age 11. Um, and then he, now he's with my stepmom, whatever. But so he was just like batching it out. And one of his good friends, um, that lived across the street had, he played guitar growing up. He had a band, I I think it was called the worms maybe when he was in high school, but like as a big, heavy classic rock guy and, I would be growing up shooting hoops in the back till the sun came down, asking him to throw the football, all these things. 
And so he'd always have friends over. They'd be playing cornhole. They'd have Metallica ripping, Van Halen. Um, and a lot of people that, especially on my Twitter, I share a lot of like music. That's kind of a part of, I just, I don't know. I love music. And so we have a neighbor, his, his buddy across the street has like 25 guitars, four or five half stack amps. So, I mean, we got some equipment in there and, uh, and I loved it and wanted to, so I, I think my grandfather at the time bought me a guitar. It was a Fender Squire little, little starter guitar. And dude, I would just go up and hold myself in the, in my room, which I think at that time was the attic in our house. I lived in the attic and, uh, I would go up there and just watch YouTube videos on like this clunky ass desktop computer. And I didn't really know, I ended up taking some guitar lessons later, but that's not how I learned at all. I would just watch YouTube videos of like how you play certain songs and just watch it for hours and then come down and they'd be, it'd be a Saturday afternoon, whatever they're having a beer, watching some golf, whatever they're doing. And I'd come down and like rip it for him on guitar. And then his buddy would, he was left-handed and he would look at me playing upside. He'd be, you know, I have the guitar in my hand playing and he would face me and play it like upside down on the, he'd be like, Oh no, you need to fix this and play it upside down facing me and like show me how to tweak it. And it was just a really cool thing, man. And I, I loved it. I it was really good for a, you know, I could play like majority of the ride, the lightning album of by Metallica pretty much top to bottom. I was, I could kind of shred and it's, uh, I loved it. And it's, I put it down as I got older, kind of that pressure of everyone else, you know, when you're, when you get into like set well, one sports was a huge thing. Like I started doing that and you're playing when I'm playing back, I care more about playing basketball than going to guitar lessons. So that was the first thing. But also like, it's not really cool. Like none of your friends when you're a seventh grader in Midwestern America are listening to Metallica. You know, it's like, it's not really prevalent. I think that that peer pressure kind of played into it as well. I felt like it was just like, it wasn't that cool. But now it's like my biggest regret that I ever, I took, I, I bought a new Les Paul maybe a year, year and a half ago. And even still haven't really been playing that much, but it's definitely going to become a, a pivotal piece again. You know what I really took away from all that was just that YouTube is something that you had a, such a pulse for the way things were headed. And I think we underestimate children in, in the sense you knew if you wanted to learn something, just go to YouTube. How many people when you were in middle school, let's say it was like, 10 years ago knew mm-hmm. to do that what, 2012 maybe 2010 like what you know that's early on and that's yeah that's like children have a sense kids in middle school have a sense of where the world is going and it, it that's what stuck out to me and all that yeah that's and, and i'm really glad you brought that up because that is maybe the biggest takeaway and like now as it's folded out especially with kind of the internet entrepreneur space, whatever that we kind of live in. Um, all of those people like that, that's literally their secret sauce. Like that's it. They just have the, they have the wherewithal of growing up with the internet and being able to understand that you can kind of leverage it for whatever you want. And really like, I think that skill more than anything of, of having the understanding that the information's out there and then going and finding it is kind of what's gotten me pretty much everything that I've been afforded in life. Like I built the background of all the fit 
kind of similar concept. You know, I'm 13, I'm like an okay. There's guys that have like fully grown men in eighth grade and I'm like just like a normal kid. I'm like, fuck, dude, these way faster than me, he's way stronger than me. Okay, now boom, bodybuilding.com, reading articles. Um, like all these things, it's such a pivotal skill and all of my like all the people I really hang out with at this point are relatively high performers and like pretty young. And I have all these friends that are just crushing it, you know, sub 24 or whatever, just doing whatever they want, making money, adding value to the world. And that's pretty much what they all did too, is they just leveraged that information that's available and kind of had the the self-starterness to, to take advantage of it. And for then it becomes, you do that long enough, it becomes leverage, like information's leverage. And it's just, uh, it's, we pretty much have it all at our fingertips at any point. Yeah. And I want to touch on the insecurity piece of what drove you to mm-hmm. stop because I see a lot of similarities in, in my own personal story where I was writing online at 13 years old, at 15 years old, but I stopped because it wasn't what was cool at that time, but it's so cool to me now that I was doing that. And so, you know, maybe it leads me to think about like, what are we doing now that isn't cool that in 10 years we might actually think is cool. And it, it just leads me to think about like that and the idea that we're so often poor judges of what is actually true to us when we are thinking about the world around us and how it's coming in. Yeah. So I think I've written about this in pieces like here and there before, and I've seen other people talk about it as well. Like for me, that whole, the whole concept of becoming a, you know, happy, fulfilled, high functioning adult is really about returning to what you were as a, like you, you grow, you're born and you don't have any conceptions, right? You you just kind of like, you know, zero to seven, like you just kind of learn what you, you know, kind of augment yourself with what reality is. And then those like childhood years where you start to have some sentience and and understanding of what's actually going on is really like who you are at its purest form. And then most people, they go and become, they kind of get that stripped away from them as they grow older in life. And the people that really do well and that get the most out of life, um, they tend to be the people that can kind of break break that conditioning in return to that sort of source, what they were in their natural form and who they really are as a person. And I think that's like one of the, like to, to kind of return to that inner child and keep that and, and, and let it grow is really, really important in life. And one of the biggest things that has been helpful to me. Um, and really I think everybody can probably get some value from doing that and going through that process. So have you picked up the guitar again? I, so I, I bought a, I bought a Les Paul a year and a half ago. I've played a few times. What's a Les Paul? Is that just it's, uh, a guitar? It's, yeah, it's like the, uh, like kind of iconic looking, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's got the curved end and then the other side like loops around and it almost looks like one side of it kind of looks like an eight and then the other side's like half of an eight, but it's got the little curvy point. I don't know if Jamie, that's... can you pull that up? Well, you have a, you have a, oh yeah. No, so I was no, going to no. say, do you actually have a Jamie on the podcast? That's crazy. No. Uh, but it would be helpful if you did one day as, as the Danny Miranda experience grows, you'll get your, you'll find your own Jamie. 
Yeah. So no, that that's cool, and and it's and it's something that I think you should honor. You know, mm-hmm. out, looking at your own story, I'm also curious. Was there from that zero to seven stage, or shortly thereafter, was there a huge sign that you were into fitness or the body or moving the body in some way? Dude, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like sports for me, like fitness. Well, a lot of it came in the context of sports, right? That's I love. I, I was that kid out shooting hoops until it was too dark to see the ball. Um, always wanted to play something. And, you know, I'm eating breakfast every morning as like a fourth grader, third grader. Like everybody else is watching SpongeBob. I'm watching ESPN, yeah. right? Like, and, and I also think I, there, for a number of different reasons, I was maybe a bit more aware and like objectively probably smart, but um, it, uh, I also grew up kind of fast for just like certain things in my childhood. I grew up pretty fast. And so I like started doing that really young and watching sports. I always wanted to be the best athlete. And, um, but even aside from athletics, you know, like I can remember, like I was a nerd about fit. It, it, a lot of it had to do with the context of athletics, but even a lot of it too, was just like general health. I wanted to be healthy, wanted to be ripped. Uh, I remember like doing, like I can, this is such a funny anecdote. I remember like doing sit-ups the week leading up to like going to the water park with like my, my family and a friend. You know, like like I look shredded for the girls at the water park, which is so hilariously stupid. But um, yeah, I mean, is it's it definitely is that stupid? I think that's just like innate to a male or like any person is like they want to look good when yeah. they are when they know their body's going to be on display. Yeah, and so not, yeah, probably, I don't think it's stupid it's funny it's funny it's not maybe not stupid but it's definitely funny um but yeah man it was definitely a huge i always had that kind of awareness and it's funny because having that awareness also hurt me in a lot of ways because the things that i'm reading a lot of it was inaccurate like there was a point where you know all the things that that i kind of talk about now like when i'm a 12 year old on my ipod touch googling like how to get how to build muscle da, 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 da. like there was a period where i thought that eating fat was bad for you because that's like an idea that propagated you know in, in the mainstream not anybody that listens to us or any of like our sort of twitter sphere kind of group stuff like they know that that's false but as when you're reading you know webmd articles and stuff like that that's like an idea that is pr- propagated or at least was then and there that was my understanding of it or whatever um, so I got a lot of false stuff too. Uh, but yeah, man, it was definitely like a huge, it was a huge piece of my, that sort of natural source state me to have that ambition or propensity to pursue those things. Yeah. And what other like myths did you uncover as you went through your journey? I know you've been in college sports and you've spent a lot of time with the body. And so you're well-equipped and nutrition, what other myths did you believe back then, maybe even when you were 12 or 13 or 14, that today you're like, wow, I can't believe I believe that? Um, well, it's like there's a couple interesting things that that serve. Like they've also – a lot of them have – like none of it do I regret in any sense because I, prob- I gained something from all of it. Um, I, I think that I thought from – especially like in high school, I thought that just – I thought lifting weights was the answer to everything basically in the context of athletics. 
So I got really strong, man. Like I was incredibly strong as a high school, like getting ready to graduate high school, like really throwing around some weight. And, uh, I probably short sold my athletic career by doing that as much as it helped me in a way. It also detracted me in a way because it's not really what Matt, like if I, I probably could have got some bigger offers or whatever, if I would have not been, you know, 215 and yoked, but like been 205 and strong, but also like a little bit faster, a little bit lighter. Um, and so that's, that was a big thing. I'm trying to think what else is it like just in the context of, of health or, or health and fitness or anything really. Yeah. Health and fitness. Yeah. So I would say that was a big one is like just getting strong is it's great. It's a good thing you should, but especially now that's like, I don't even really do that much of that. I do it, but I do it in a much different way. Um, so that was a big thing. Like all the sort of nutrition fallacies, that are propagated. Like I thought fat was bad. I thought that, you know, you see it, it's like heart, like the marketing of it is so relevant in our world. Like you see all these cereal boxes, heart healthy, you know, every vitamin, whatever. And like, I, dude, I eat so much cereal. I think I would have been six, four if I didn't eat so much cereal, uh, growing up. Right. So like that was a big one thinking that, the, the marketing behind processed foods was actually accurate when a lot of it is, it's, it's horrible for you. And, hmm. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, the fat thing is a big, big one. Not that I ever like didn't eat, you know, like a steak or something like that. I would always eat it, but I, I thought it just wasn't, those are, those are probably the two, two big ones, the three big ones I would, your weight room is going to solve all your problems in the context of athletics. It's not, it's not even close. The, the idea that fat is bad and the idea that grains are good. Those were like the three biggest things that, that I realized. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, during that time you, you wrote a thread about how insecurity was a driver for you and how mm-hmm. it, it led to progress. And I'd love for you to just touch on maybe that point in your life or just in general how insecurity has played a, a role in your own progress. Yeah, so I think that, that that's not just a me thing. I think that's for everybody. Like the point of of life in a lot of ways, at least my interpretation of it, is like people need productive problems, right? That's mm-hmm. essentially what we live for. And so any of these, like basically you have – it's like a workflow almost of you have a problem to solve and then you have, and a lot of times the insecurities themselves are problems, right? And then you, when you fix that, you kind of get the desired outcome and then you realize something else is sort of like lacking, I guess. And then you move on to that next productive problem, right? That's kind of how the, just the workflow of life tends to go. And so People like basically that whole process of, of finding your hole or finding what what is preventing you from having the things you want. A lot of times the insecurities are not the cause, they're the effect. Right. And so anytime like and especially in the context, it's been very, very prevalent to me in the context of health. Like a lot of the times that you have these problems, it's really the symptom of some habit that you have that's not that doesn't serve you well. 
What's an example of that? Um, an example of that would be like, like for me, like a one in, like I had, I had Graves, Graves disease, right? When I was 15 and it, growing up, I've like, I haven't taken anything for it. I haven't seen my endocrinologist in years. Like they, they're irrelevant. Disease? It's hyperthyroid. It's an autoimmune illness, which is, it's kind of a funny term because I don't even necessarily believe in that framework as a whole to anymore to begin with, but it's an autoimmune illness. So basically the, the, the textbook definition is like you have something wrong and your immune system is an organ or function within your own body. Right. And so I had that, I got diagnosed with that like 14, 15, somewhere in there, like freshman end of freshman year of high and that was a huge part of it when that happens is hyperthyroidism. Your immune system is attacking your thyroid, which produces your you know, thyroid hormone, which is your metabolism, basically. So I had a, like a, a medically high metabolism. And so one of the symptoms of that or effects of that is it's called Graves, Graves ophthalmology. When you put that stress on there, there's like some linking linkage between the nerves behind your eyes and, and they become like inflamed. And so there was like a point when I had the acute disease that I was like, like really like, like my eyes were bulging a little bit. And then, and then I think too, so that was like one piece of like, my eyes looked weird for a while growing up, like always being a pretty good looking kid, whatever. And then like, boom, I have this period where I'm like not so good looking right because of that. And, uh, and, but so then the, linking it back back into the framework and i've even also too just like even now i look tired a lot of the time right like i have like i'll have like dark circles under my eyes look tired and a lot of that is those are symptoms right both of the 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 graves was a a symptomatic expression of me not having you know iodine selenium tyrosine like these nutrients that i needed but then also and this is kind of tying in with the like looking tired whatever like putting a lot of stress on myself. Like I had, there was a lot of times where I would be up super, super late in, in high school. And even now, like I, my, my sleep is either like great or I like kind of self sabotage it a little bit. I'm like just thinking about things constantly, like pushing, 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 whatever. And, um, but those are symptoms, right? Like all of these, and especially in the context of health, like a lot of these insecurities people have, a lot of times are just effects of biology that are led that way because of some poor habit that they have. So like for me, it was like not suboptimal diet plus like poor sleep. Cause I'm up on my phone or whatever, or, you know, like, or stress, like being overly stimulated over, over stressed. And so that's kind of like the framework of how I would describe that for me. Um, and so then, but even if it's not something that's health related, you know, people might, anything that you're insecure about, like a lot of times it tends to be a habit that you need to fix. And, and it's not, then once you fix it, it's not so much that the insecurity dissolves. It's like actually not having that habit in and of itself is so much better for you as a person and for your life in general. Why do you think there's such fear to address the habit so often that's leading to the insecurity yeah i don't i mean i think a lot of times people just don't that there is sort of that cause and effect 
relationship. Like, especially, you know, we, the place that we operate in and people on, on Twitter, money, Twitter, whatever you want to fucking call it. Like people, those people are pretty aware. And a lot of times people are spreading awareness of these things. And so it's not so much of a problem there, but if you think about like the masses, people that live, like they don't really have, uh, and I, I hate to say it like this cause it sounds elitist, but fuck it. Like they don't really have sentience and awareness, you know, like they don't, they don't correlate cause and effect in their own life. Like people that are doing things that are bad for them, they don't stop and think, well, Hey, maybe this thing that I'm doing is the cause of this problem that I'm having in life. They don't really, I think that's the biggest thing is not maybe the fear to change it, but just the lack of awareness. I think that's the biggest thing is not being aware to it in the first place. You can't fix a problem until you think you have it right. Or you recognize that it's a problem. And then a lot of times it's, uh, it's just like dopamine thing. Like people don't want to willingly do things that are bad for them. Right. It's because they've, they've built in some sort of like coping mechanism with that thing. So if you look like, let's give the example of somebody that like, this is one that I, this is a perfect example. I think there's a lot of people out there that are, they have like insecurities within their life, whether that be, they're not pursuing, they're not, they're not making enough money or they don't have the, the, the intersexual, the, you know, opposite sex relationships that they'd like to have. Right. Um, and so I see it a lot, like an example of the cause that they don't realize would be like, Oh, they're smoking. Right. And so that kind of becomes like, like I see that a lot of in people like, or kind of like not the people that I hang around with, but in life, like when I step outside of my echo chamber, that's something I see a lot. You see a lot of people that are kind of, I would kind of fit in the framework of the masses, like the low awareness people, like the, the majority. And they won't, they first won't be aware to it that like, Hey, like me smoking weed is feeding into this problem. That's number one. And then two, even if they are aware of it, they'll keep habit because they've attached some sort of like, it's like dopamine function. That's become a way for them to cope and feel better and almost escape, escape with these things and kind of run from their problems rather than, which I guess is what you were asking about in terms of like what stops them from starting is they, they build up this framework in their head that they, it really comes down to the stories you tell yourself, right? Like, Oh, I need this to do. I need X to do Y. I need, you know, to smoke, to feel relaxed and happy. But then it's just like this constant cycle. And then I don't know, does that kind of answer it? I'm kind of ranting here. Definitely. The whole, the whole point of this is so you can rant and so you can, you can figure things out. Yeah. Um, No, but take me through a, a period for you personally, when you were in your own head or overthinking things because I think you've loosely tweeted about moments when you had it all going on and you were flowing it felt like everything was working and then there Mm -hmm. were moments there have been moments in the last I don't know let's call it three years I don't know when the time frame is where you felt like you're not and then you're comparing yourself to when you were and take us through that cycle and kind of how you got out of it and just like in general how that went for you yeah so I think that um, okay. Can you, can you just repeat that one more time? Like thinking yeah. through it, but just to find a P, find a 
a moment when I wasn't kind of in that zone. Yeah. And then, you know, so what like, I did to, yeah, what you did to get out of it. Okay. Yeah. I talked about this with, uh, Zaid yesterday um, and those guys too, as well. But like, for me, it just comes down to, do I have, uh, like every time I'm in a rut, it's cause I don't know where I'm going, you know, mm. like historically any, and I think this is true for everyone. If you don't have like a vision of, and not just cause people know overarchingly where they want to be, I think in most places, like in most cases, but it's like, you need an objective, you need objective short-term actions. I had a tweet about this not too long ago. Like you can't think your way out of any problem. That's never the scenario, right? It's action that's going to solve these things for you. And so I think when, when I've gotten in a rut, it's just, it's simply me being overwhelmed with the own potentialities of the actions I can take and not having clarity of which ones I actually am going to. And like, what is my next step today? And so that really, for me, is the biggest thing that that helps me. I'm standing up and get a little sun here. Um, that's really the biggest, biggest thing that, that has helped me is like anytime I'm in that rut, just go sit down and write all these things out and figure out what is the short-term immediate action that I need to take that will move the needle. And that's it. Like if you just do that, and then maybe you even have People will even have, appreh- or even me, I will have apprehensiveness to go do that thing. So then you figure out really, like, if you just ask yourself these questions with, like, no pressure, but just really, truly trying to figure it out, you're going to get the answer, you know? Like, if you if you write down, you know you need to do something that's going to be helpful to you, and you you, you ask yourself, okay, well, why, why don't I want to go do that? Just ask yourself questions. Why? Why am I not doing the thing that I know I need to? And, and you, a lot of times you'll get the answer from yourself, you know? And so you, you write down the immediate short-term action. If you have resistance to it, you figure out why. And then you, that then becomes the most immediate short-term action you can take is attacking that problem. Makes sense to me. Uh, how do you, how are you feeling right now in general, in terms of life? Man, I feel really good right now. It's, uh, everything's kind of, I feel pretty good. It was the past couple weeks I had like, uh, it's so funny because I do all these things to, to maximize and optimize my health and whatever. But for whatever reason, I caught some, some sort of bug, uh, that just kind of lingered. And I feel like a lot of people have recently. Um, so I got some, some little bug or whatever and was kind of dealing with that. I'm even a little bit still stuffy today. You can probably hear it. I'm a little nasally. Uh, but man, I feel really good. Like I'm starting, starting to feel hundred percent again and, uh, just excited to keep, keep going and keep pushing and keep building and having fun doing it. I feel great, man. Honestly, it's good to hear. It's, it's always like, you know, when you set those big visions for yourself Mm -hmm. and I know you've tweeted about how you want to be an MMA fighter and you want a, a rap career and you know you've tweeted some pretty just crazy to most people yeah. statements about your future and your vision and then mm-hmm. sometimes when you look on the day to day and it doesn't seem like you're close to that it can be demoralizing if you don't have the right frame of mind 100% so take me through like those big visions how you 
came about that what's your where you currently are in those visions if that's still your plan yeah so so my like there's really not that many things in life that that you can even really do right there's not that many there's not you know what i mean there's not that many avenues for for your life there's basically like okay how can i add value to the world in a way that makes me money right that's essentially the whole like and that's most people's number one priority is live well there's you know how can i feel good in doing that and so to me that's kind of like the health both mentally and physically um you know how can you figure out your health and feel good look good you know all that kind of stuff perform well so there's there's basically making money there's having your health there's your relationships with your family with your friends with your you know partners or whatever and then there's like creativeness like that's pretty much it there's not really that much that falls outside of that realm right there's like four things what and about so, the inner world like i can kind of consider that the you know health like like spirituality to me is kind of intertwined gotcha. with health and maybe that's just a me thing no, but no, even then sense. even then no. if you're gonna if you're gonna split it up that's like five things all right there's like not that many like big picture macro things that that comprise our lives right and so from there like i just like i think my biggest thing is like i want to feel present and enjoy the things that i'm doing and that a lot of times can be you know, relatively hard work, but I enjoy it. It's things that I like to do. And so all of these things that you're mentioning are really just expressions of one of those categories, right? Like right now I have, and I've had a couple other, you know, entities that I've worked on a couple other businesses other than the one that's kind of forward facing with my personal brand with body optic worked on a few product or projects like clothes for a number of different people, all these kinds of different things. But now it's like, I've kind of trimmed the fat and really am just focusing on body optic because I realize, like, holy shit, why am I even doing this if I'm not going to focus on it? You know, and that's been a huge thing is really dialing in that attention of my my own attention. And so, boom, that's the way that I can add the world and make money. And so I'm working on body optic now. I'm not doing anything else, right? That's boom, there's finances, right? And then the, the MMA thing is like the expression of my, my physical health world. That's something that I want to do. And we'll see where, where it goes. I still have a lot of work to do, man. Like there's, I, like, I think, I, cause I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of these tweets. Like I'm saying these things kind of like a lot. And that's something important too, is that you kind of have to, at least me, I've always kind of talked my shit and then thrown myself in but like you kind of have to have that like i don't know a little bit of a like chip on your shoulder to start like that or to undergo the things at least for me it's been always been helpful um but so yeah i mean i'm going to pursue that and and continue to pursue that and see where it goes and if i can get my my i've kind of changed the the focus of it to like oh i'm going to be this massive superstar type thing and really just like hone in on the process and enjoy that and, and go train and learn and keep getting better and we'll see where it goes. Right. And same thing you mentioned like the rap career, which is interesting because I, uh, like to me, then that falls in under the realm of 
my creative fulfillment, you know, like I love, we mentioned guitar, like I love playing guitar. And so whether that's like, you know, I'm a rapper or like, I want to make music, right. And, and whether it goes again, I've kind of shifted my framework to now it's like, I'm not really so worried about the outcome. I just want to do it because I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's fulfilling to me to, to play with that and create things. And so all of these different things just allow me to go through life. And, and I've, I tweeted this recently too. It's like, what can I do every single day for forever? And, and I think for a day, like if you think about like people ask, oh, what, what would you do if you had one day left to live? Right? Like I want every day to function like that almost, you know, I'm working in a meaningful way on my business. I'm working in a meaningful way, whether that's MMA or I'm just, you know, know, swimming in the ocean and stuff, stretching, you know, every day I want to do something that creatively fulfills me. And honestly, like aside from just music, like making content is fun and I enjoy it and things that are funny, like you know, I always meme about like the Schmood edit videos. Like I love those. It's amazing. Like it gives me so much happiness when the people make those like real fast jump cut kind of videos. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's just like kind of that process and finding uh, the things that I can do every single day. And within the scope of a whole day, it's not like, oh, today I'm just going to work. And then this weekend, I'm just going to like go out and socialize and party. It's like, no, do a little bit of those things every day. And then it's just like, you don't have to go in this big up and down and ebb and flow side. Like, Oh, I'm going to work now. Oh, I'm going to party. It's like, no, I can do a little bit of all of them all the time. And it's not, that's then my life is something that I don't have to run from, you know, I don't want my life to be something that I'm like running from. It's just what I'm just living and present and enjoying it. Yeah. There's a quote that I've brought up in the past. I think it was on the episode I did with Cooper Turley. Okay. He really liked it, and I'm going to share it with you as well because what you're saying is very similar to this quote, which is, The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, that is, he's always doing both. That's amazing. I love that. That's like really powerful. I'm going to have you send that to me after because that's, that's fantastic. That's what you're yeah, describing, man. right? Yeah, 100%. That's like me in a nutshell. You know? I think it's, it's very... That quote describes what people who are living in their highest version, that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're playing, but they're also working. They're, they're, they're living so strongly in their pursuit of what they want to do that it just mm-hmm. leaves others around them to say, oh man, is he having fun or is he making money? Is he, is he exploring his outer world or is he exploring his inner world? No, he's doing both. And I think that's the magic of the people who I admire the most. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. That's uh, I really, really love that quote, and it's a hundred percent kind of what I'm what I'm describing and how I'm sort of building my framework of of life. Yeah. So I also want to go to a quote you said recently. We got a couple of quotes back to back. 
which is the people who don't have energy need to spend more of it. I think that this would help people to live a more full life and become a master in the art of living is to spend more energy to gain more energy. What do you mean by that idea? Yeah, it's like everything is momentum, right? And so you, and this kind of goes back to, you know, being in a, like if you're in a rut or you're not producing the way you want to, if you just get the ball rolling, you're going to tend to stick to whatever it is you're doing. Like if you're not going to the gym and know that you need to, if you can find some way to just force yourself to go, you're going to start going more because you're already, okay, now it's like you're built, you're starting to build a habit. A lot of the people that, and it's, it's almost weird now because I really don't even, like I live in a bubble at this point. None of that even exists in my world. Like I'm out, I'm out here in my little pocket of the world and South beach just out hanging out. It's like all, all the high energy people that I associate with whatever. And so I really almost don't even see it that much. But then the difference is so stark when I go to places that are very, very low energy, like going into a suburban Walmart, you know, it's like, wow, this is like crazy. And people just like, there's a lot of, I mean, you see it on the internet too. You see videos and the internet's so polarizing, but you know, people that can't get something started, like they, again, it just, they need to, if you, once you get that ball rolling, it's not going to stop because you're not going to feel, you're going to feel like doing whatever it is you're doing at that time. And I'm sure you can probably relate in your writing or in your production. Like, let's say, you know, editing a podcast probably isn't the most fun task. It's fucking tedious, whatever. But like, once you start and get in the flow of that activity, boom, now you're like, okay, it's not that bad. You know, maybe throw on some house tunes and you're just kind of like jamming out and it just gets done, you know? But the people that think that like, oh, they're, cause I went through this too. There was a point in time where like in this, like my late college career, I'm hurt. I'm probably smoking too much pot at this time. I know I've referenced that it's, it's a lot of times. And like when I've talked to people, whatever, and it makes me sound like a pothead, which I'm not, but <laughs> like I was, I was hurt. I, like I was just low, kind of low energy, um, smoking all the time, you know, not really I'm skipping class every single day, like literally not going at all in the, like to get out of that, you're just going to, con- you literally just have to go and kind of break the mold once and then you're good from there. You know, you're, it, it, everything makes more sense. Cause you get inspired and you start having like, and it's a concept that I really like for this is like Joe Dispenza. You know, I really love Joe Dispenza's stuff. And he talks about building the, the future or, or building the present on thoughts of the familiar past. If you don't change the input, you're never going to get a different output, you know? And that's a common thing, but man, it's, it's so true. Or like people that can't sleep, right? They, they, they have trouble falling asleep at night. It, it sounds counterintuitive to just like not sleep, but if you just force yourself to on a lighter, I guarantee you're going to go to bed early the next night. You know, like you need to, it's always, it always functions that way. No matter what it is you're trying to do, have the energy that you want 
you need to spend more because you'll be in the habit of spending it. And it kind of functions like it really comes down to like an abundance mindset as well. And a lot of people talk about that in the context of like finances, but I think it rings true in the context of, of health or energy as well is you need to have in a, if you, if you try to collect, like you can never hoard, you can't hoard energy, right? It's something that's flowing. And so the more you try to hoard it, the more you're going to, the more, the less that's going to be given to you, right? It's the same reason you feel energized, go do a hard workout. Obviously, you know, if you run 50 miles, you're probably going to be pretty low energy, right? But like, same reason you go do a workout, you come back, you have more energy. That's it's, it's counterintuitive, but biologically speaking, financially speaking, creatively speaking, it, it holds true in everything, I think. Yeah. What if you see a person who is just full of light and full of energy? You're then going to feel that as well. Their yeah. energy didn't stop your energy. It gave you more, which is an abundance idea. Never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's really cool. And you know, why do you think you've made energy such a part of your your brand on Twitter, your your persona, or what you talk about? Why do you think that energy has played such a role in what you talk about? Um. Well. Analyzing what what leads me to get the results that I want, and then looking at times where I haven't gotten that I want. And if you optimize like that, and you have energy, you probably you're probably going to get the results that you want in any pursuit of any you know anything. It could whatever you're trying to do. If you have the prerequisite energy everything's going to happen much easier for you, right? From a point of leverage at that, at that point. And, um, I think for me, as I have continued to do or get more like objective accomplishments, whatever they might be, you know, um, the more I lean into that, that's what, what works for me. And then once you have once you felt what it's like to be like really, you know, I like, I like to use the word tapped in or the phrase tapped in, you're tapped in, right? Once you feel that, you don't really go back, you know? It's uh, if you've been in that like deep ethereal flow state of just like things are clicking, it's you're rocking out, man, like everything's good because of your, and it's because of your energy. Like once you have that once, it's, it's kind of like similar. I'll give you like a, a financial analogy. Like if you make grand in a month once, you can't go back to making three because you know what it's like, you know? And so I think that's been a big thing for me is once you, once you feel what it's like to just be exploding with energy and everything you touch is vibrant and, and glowing and you just, everything kind of flows through the day. You can't go back to not having that. And I think that's probably why it's become a, kind of a prevalent thing is because optimizing for that has given me outsized returns. Makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned before about body optic and I'm curious what led you to start that and where it currently is and, and how that's going. Um, yeah. So we, what led me to start that? Well, I think, 
So when I dropped out of college, like there was um, a, a few th- different, like I said, I just realized, I, I kind of realized I wasn't playing the game that I wanted to play, right? And that doing that wasn't going to give me the results that I wanted in life. And so when I, when I went to drop out, there was like basically three things that I had in my mind to pursue. And it was like e-com, right? And I, it was so funny because I found like you and Nate Schmidt and like all these guys on Twitter shortly after that. But I saw like this idiot kid that was running some, you know, course ad, whatever. And I was like, dude, there's no way this fuckhead's smarter than me. And so I, I wanted to pursue e-com and, and using that as a vehicle to make money. Um, I wanted to pursue something in the health world because kind of similarly, I saw people were doing that and that's what they were doing. And they were adding value from it, whatever. And they didn't have A, the passion, B, the knowledge or C, like the, the ambition that I had with it. And then I wanted to play with music and do that and just, as a creative pursuit. Um, and so I think I always, you know, we mentioned, I kind of have always had that proclivity for health, fitness, et cetera. And then that was a, a thing that when I dropped out, I knew I wanted to pursue. So I ended up when I first dropped out, I worked some odd jobs, but I was working at a gym, a really nice gym in Clearwater and got a lot of, and then, so I think this is a big important thing too. It's like, once you see somebody that's doing something at a high level, you realize that there's not really a secret. They just kind of had the, had the balls to shoot for it. You know, um, there's not really like even the, mastery is really just a, a function of time and consistency and effort. It's not like this crazy esoteric hidden vault of secrets you know there's like nobody really has it all figured out they just had the the propensity to go pursue it and then figure it out along the way and stick with it right um and so i did that for like a year and then i quit doing that professionally to start doing some i took a job building out like an an e-commerce agency along with some stores whatever um and i'm doing that and then i start I, I continue to see people posting stuff. I'm like, man, these guys don't, I'm, I'm not even doing this as a profession at this point, but it's just still a part of who I am. And so I start posting stuff primarily on Twitter and it starts, people start seeing it really, really well, whatever. And then like, I'm like, damn, like asking me to sell them something like I probably should. And so then I release a product. And then at that point I had gotten close with, with KDOT, um, my co-founder and he was kind of doing the same thing. We were both in South Florida during the pandemic. A bunch, we become boys. Like we had good complementary qualities in a lot of ways. We're like, yo, let's partner up and, and do this together. Cause I think it'll benefit both of us. And so we did, and that's kind of how body optics started. And now it's just been really, really good. We've worked with a lot of people and really just continuing to build out a, a world-class framework for how you can, you know, manipulate all these variables with your health and your fitness, athleticism, performance, whatever. Um, and really just make it, you know, I want to be the, build the best, all those things. I want to build the best company in the world that does those things. Um, cause people obviously need it. A massive addressable market. Um, it's a good opportunity. And I think, I have the propensity to be the best in the world at it. So it kind of checks all the boxes and we're just going to continue growing it. It's going really well. Um, yeah. 
You mentioned Clearwater, Florida real quick. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you've talked about knees over toes guy and how you were uh, working for him or at least cross yeah. paths with him in some way. Yeah, that what was, was that in Clearwater. That was in Clearwater. So so when I dropped out, the, the I mentioned I was injured in college. Um, I I knew I was going to move to Florida. I was from, from Ohio, right? So I knew I was going to move to Florida. Mainly, literally... Which is funny because now the whole like sun thing has become a yes. Um, so I was going to do that. I was going to move to Florida simply solely because it's sunny all the time. Like that's literally it. That was the only rationale. And then I had really bad knee tendonitis and I had been following him for a couple months just because I was already following all these people that are talking about these things. I mean, he was really small then. He maybe had a couple thousand followers, but I'm just like, thousand. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was just, I'm, I was, I live in these rabbit holes. So it's like anything new comes up, I know about it because I've got my ear to the streets, you know? Um, and so he has a couple thousand and I see, wow, he's in Clearwater. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to Clearwater simply because I want to work out at this gym. That was the only rationale. Like I had knee tendonitis that was holding me back in terms of my physical pursuits. And so I'm, bam, boom, I'm going to move to Florida in the winter and B, I'm going to move to Clearwater because this is the gym that I'd like to lift weights at. That was the only rationale. And so I show up day one, I buy a gym membership, and I'm just like talking to him, explaining my background, whatever. And I was just like, yo, like, is there anything I can help you with here? Like, I end up working for free for him for like maybe a month or two before he then was like, yo, you're doing a really nice job. We want to keep growing. Like, would you like a, would you like to work here? And of course I said, yes. Cause I was, I was working as a delivery boy at an Italian restaurant at that point. So I was like, yeah, I would love to work here. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened, man. I just showed up and I had a passion for it. I was working out every single day. Wouldn't miss. And then I offered to help out. I start helping out and then I start working the weekends for free and then I start I'm building relationships with everybody that works out there, everybody that works there already. Um, they, they, I, they could tell, I think, that I knew what, what the hell was going on in terms of like the, the actual service and product and the knowledge, whatever. And so, yeah, man, that's kind of how that, that shaped out. I mean, was it weird for you when you saw him on Joe Rogan or when you see him blow up like this? You, you obviously saw him way before the entire world did and – and like what caught your eye about him in general? Because I think it can serve for somebody who's who's looking for up and coming people, up and coming sources of knowledge. Like how do you know that this was somebody you wanted to align with? Yeah, I mean it it wasn't surprising at all to me, not in the slightest. Like to me, honestly, him being on Rogan was like two years late right. of what I thought would happen. Um, just because once I got to know him and we talk from time to time here and there. Um, once I got to know him, the dude, like literally obsessed, like obsessed, like literally wouldn't he, the first year I met him, he cut off all TV and foreign entertainment so that he could work on knee success. Like that's literally, if you talk to him in person, the the verbatim, like you see him at night when he's with his family, just chilling, like off the clock. Like that's what he'll tell you. That's what he's doing. And that's literally like cut and dry like he wouldn't even hang out when when we would all work with him he wouldn't even hang out like we'd all go to dinner everybody that was working there or a part of it whatever we'd all go to dinner he wouldn't come because he was it, the, the, that took away from knee success like, seriously so that to what me that's yeah that's the biggest yeah it's like unrelenting focus 
and and people don't people don't have that i don't have enough of that you always can you can never have too much now i think there's a, a something to be said for you know giving yourself other experiences and and all these different things but like at the end of the day if you don't have x thing in in y pursuit you know you don't you don't have the the x tangible result in y opportunity or pursuit that you're trying to have that's what you lack dude you're just not good enough you don't do enough you that's it like there's no excuses there's no and that's another thing that i think that people kind of get jaded a lot with this whole life shit you know is they think that like oh well some they, they it's like to them to other people it's like a it's a zero sum game well oh he's doing it and so what what will i do that's different it's like dude you don't need to like it doesn't have to be like that first off everybody can win there's enough out there so that everybody can win and be like you that's what you're lacking is just the like you view it like not like a it is a competition but it's not like a competitive attitude you know it's a self-originating competition that never ends and that's what people people lack you know with all all of these different things like if you really wanted it you would fucking have it because you'd be doing the things and you'd be unrelentingly focused and obsessed with getting it. And if you're not that way, then honestly, you don't even really fucking want it. You just think that you want it or you want to be able to say that you want it. Yes, I agree. But I also, I've experienced periods of my life when I'm completely relentless and mm-hmm. I've experienced periods where I knew that I was capable of being relentless. I just didn't know what avenue to direct that relentless focus towards. Yeah, that makes that's sense? fair. So 100%. I, think there, I think there are people that know they have this untapped potential within them and they don't know where it's supposed to go. For example, I knew I was capable of giving the world a lot and mm-hmm. I think I'm nowhere close to that. But I think this podcast has been an avenue I've been able to start that mission and to put that energy and to put that force behind. So I guess my question is like, how can we better help people? find that thing hmm okay so how can we help people find that thing so this is what i would say for that like because i you know i do get a lot of messages like this of younger guys like oh i don't know what i want to do i even have like friends that i've you know really tried to help out you know give them opportunities whatever like put them in the right path put them on to things sort of so to speak um and i think if you're trying to kind of figure out what that path is for you. Well, one, it's not that they didn't, they, they weren't, they didn't have that unrelenting focus. They just didn't know what the constraint was. Right. Right. Like for you, you had that focus, but so, but so even then your, your focus then displaces in it when it should have been on finding the thing that it was. And people think, I think that's, it gets thrown around a lot, especially in this kind of Gary V world of motivation and, uh, you know, like find your purpose, find all this shit. Right. Um, and so people, you have to, that you always have to have that focus. It's just, if you don't know what it is, you need to get unrelenting about focusing on the thing or on finding the thing, right. Rather than, you know, meandering around and just kind mm-hmm. of like even just sitting around, you're not going to find it. Right. You need to try things because I think the path, like you never see the path straight ahead for what it is. Otherwise you'd be on it. You know, it, it always comes around the corner 
once you've started walking. Right. Yeah. And so if you're trying to find that, like even if you're trying to find what your purpose in life is, and honestly, I don't even, I talked about this with Zed yesterday too. I don't even think you, you have a purpose. I think you make it almost. And so if you're struggling to find that, I would just say automatically start and get rid of all the stuff that you don't like and that you know is not it, right? Get rid of all that. And then like take your best educated guess you know, there's probably a blueprint out there for you at this point, like with the internet, there's somebody doing whatever it is you want to. So find that blueprint and just devote yourself to it for three months, six months, just not for the benefit of the tangible result, but I can almost guarantee you like all of my friends that are successful or they are, they're aligned. They have what they feel to be their purpose that gives them fulfillment none of them are doing the thing that they started with. Not a single one, not a single fucking one. I think that's doing a great the th- point. They're not doing the thing that they started with. But what happens is once you start doing something and you get going on, on the, honestly, I think people derive this, like they have this grandiose vision of like, there's some, you know, crazy path for me on this earth. That's solely mine. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that you just find an avenue that, you can, I think what people, people optimize for like how happy they should feel doing something versus how, how of service they feel doing something. Right. Hmm. Um, or because, and that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from. Like people, people think, cause dude, like even when I'm working, it doesn't, I'd still rather be like on a fucking yacht with girls just chilling. You know what I mean? Like it's still, yeah, I'm doing things that I love, but like work always feels like work. Sending invoices never feels fun or like organizing spreadsheets never feels fun. You know, there's certain things that I enjoy more than others, obviously like, but you get my point. Like it always, even the things that I love, like I love to write. I love it. Even that, like sometimes it's like, Oh, I have to write today. Like I should write today. Oh, that sounds disgusting. I just want to go to the pool and like chill a little bit. You know, you always have that instinct yeah. and you're always going to want the thing that you don't have at that time in your life. You're always going to, it's that's the it's human nature. And so, um, I think just really figuring out what you don't like. And then again, just getting moving on something. And from there you'll, you'll gain the, the nuance and the perspective and the experience to be able to deduce what about it you don't like and what about it you do like, and then you can kind of alter path a little bit and, and just keep, keep iterating and you'll eventually kind of find it. If that's, I mean, I know that's still kind of not that helpful, but then again, if it was super, super easy, like everyone would do it, you know, that's the, the, again, like that's kind of the basis of life. People want things that they're not willing to actually, that they actually don't want in, in practice. I think that was a helpful answer and I also would add that I think it's important to get get back to the basics. If you have no idea what you want, do the things that for 99% of people are going to be beneficial. Working out, meditating, journaling, creating something, spending time with people you love. Like do the things that have for centuries worked for human beings. And that will produce some level of momentum like you were talking about so mm-hmm. that you can, you can step forward. Yeah, 100%. And even like those are definitely 
definitely beneficial, but I would even maybe at time, like you should definitely do all those things. But I think even more importantly is to, cause you can like, there was also been times in my life when I didn't have all of these things kind of rolling, but I, it's very easy to think that you're making progress doing the, and I, again, I'm not hating on those things whatsoever. I think they're all great, but it's very easy to make you think that you're, you're making progress in these things by just doing that. But it's not the, it's not the lever that you need to pull, right? It's like, it's like the people that think starting their business, they need the best workflow for clients once they've already got them. Like, no, you need clients, right? You have to attack the constraint. And so I think doing those things, especially like journaling, like more than anything, I think writing is a huge thing that helps people gain clarity. Um, But you have to write the correct way. And like I said earlier, questions and write lens of the answer a little bit and start figuring out like what you actually, what is actually like, what do you not like about, because for example, like if someone is in pretty good shape, but they're stressed out financially all the time, like just working and journaling and, and doing these things, meditating, like, yes, it's, it's a helpful part, but it's also not going to solve the problem. Right. And so I think really clearly defining what, what you are, what your problem is or the, the constraint that you're trying to really, really, really important, um, to, in order for you to kind of get what you want. I agree. I think that was well said. I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned money Twitter before and I'm curious what you see on Twitter that you disagree with. That I disagree with. It's a great yeah, question. Because I think a lot of things get thrown around when you have a lot of people who think the same things. And I found that when I was fully entrenched in it, those mm-hmm. were all my beliefs and I didn't even choose those beliefs. Yeah. But and so that's I pulled, I, when I pulled myself back from it and I didn't go on Twitter for like a six month period, I was like, oh my God, those weren't my beliefs. I just was researching and looking at that every day. So I thought those were my beliefs. So I'm curious from your perspective as somebody who is in it, what is something you see on Twitter that you disagree with? Yeah. Like I, and, uh, and I'm also like, we're all kind of guilty of doing these things from time to time, whatever they may be. Right. But the thing that I, it's funny, like you asked what I disagree with. I disagree with the fact that I have to agree or disagree to anything, you know, like people, everything on there is so like, Mm. like black and white, or you should do this. You shouldn't do that. This is, this is gay. This isn't like, you find all these things and what happens is there ends up being so much like posturing. And I think this is why people gravitate to what putting out or saying or whatever. Like I kind of have a mimetic brand at this point, you know, it's like, it's impactful in a mimetic way, I, I think, or it's been whatever, but it's because I'm not, it's like the more you can just operate, like everything should operate 
Now, if you get new data from somebody and you agree with that data, then obviously, yeah, like, but people are too caught in what they think is the the right the right way to do things rather than finding what is true for them mm. you know and they and they lose their own sort of self origination point of of thoughts ideas of actions and that's never going to be what leads them to success because it, it's like everybody has their own kind of path to follow and if you're con- if you if the i even now try to like, people will say really like, even if people say really nice things to me, I try to like kind of ignore it. And, and then, but I also do the same thing with, you know, anybody saying like very negative things or whatever, like you have to, you shouldn't be worried about anyone else at all and, and be on there. And this is really kind of a meta concept for social media or human interaction altogether, right? It's not just Twitter, it's anything. But you should, the more you can kind of find what your own origination point is and let your ideas and your actions and your thoughts come from that place, like it, the better you're going to be and the more kind of raw and like, cause I honestly too, like your ideas aren't even yours, right? Like I feel like my ideas are rented. They don't, and I, I can put out like a lot of stuff that people like or is deemed helpful or whatever, but they're not my ideas, dude. I'm walking around outside and then something flows through my head. It's not mine. It's something else. It's like, it's the, it's the portal, you know, you're you're tapped Mm -hmm. in and, but you can't have that unless you're, unless your, your mental space is quiet enough for you to be able to hear it. I think that's what I disagree with the most is, is I value the people that I can tell they're not like they're not operating within a. F- we're just presenting what is their framework. Does that make sense? Yeah, you kind of cut out there from my. End. Oh. You said at, just at the end, the last. Okay. Line. Yeah, I was just saying, like the people. I, I. That's what I disagree with the most is the people operating within a framework, rather than, them presenting what is their own framework. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. And you mentioned the the downloads. It seems like you get the rented ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious what you think that is. Like what's going on there? Because I, I experience similar things in, in meditation. I experience similar things when I'm going on walks by myself, when I'm completely without input. Mm-hmm. Input comes. What is that? That is, so it's, it's like kind of a, I guess, conspiratorial or uh, spiritual kind of concept. Um, but it's, hold on, give me one second. Um, it's like, you can look at the, what is it called? The, fuck, I can't think about it right now. There's like a, there's a, what is it called? God damn, why can I not think of it? It's like the- you're too tapped in. I'm too tapped in. Yeah, it's like the, the the Akashi records is that Akashic records, right? It's like kind of a spiritual concept that there's infinite knowledge, right? That exists. We and it, you have to kind of have some some prerequisite beliefs for that to even. And it's it kind of sounds woo 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 wooey a little bit, you know, that very like very abstract spiritual vibe, I guess. But there is infinite knowledge 
that exists in this world. And you kind of have to believe in the framework of divine intelligence and some aspect of a, a God and things like that. But there is divine intelligence that, and it's infinite. And that's really what, and there's proof for that too. Like there's a CIA doc that I'm pretty sure talks about this stuff that they were researching and all these kind of things, but it's, we're all interconnected with, with everything, with, with energy, with knowledge and knowledge is energy. Essentially it's, it's frequencies transmitted that carry thought. Right. And so it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of like the idea of infinite knowledge and we're never really, because everything has been done before that you or we or me want to do, right? All the knowledge, nobody, nobody got the knowledge, like nobody came up with it. I think it's just that, like understanding that the human brain is a, an electromagnetic transmitter that's quite frankly, like objective fact, right? You know, what are neurons? They're electromagnetic. Earth has these, it's full of these electromagnetic transmitters and you, that's how we get knowledge. That's how we deduce ideas. It's fascinating. I, I got to look more into this because not too familiar with those records or, there's a couple other like, like <laughs> yeah. ter- terms that you could describe it with. Um, but yeah, I think that it's just like believing that that is the case, which I think that's pretty common consensus in the scientific community is that your neurons are electromagnetic mm. along with your heart and how you feel like you have a, an aura about you that's electromagnetic. So does the earth. And, you know, if you believe in God or a higher power, created this world to also have that same sort of field and is man we're just pulling from from frequencies from from waves that that give us the creativity and a lot of times it it kind of stores itself in old ideas or past ideas or things that you see but don't really pick up on but then given the right stimulus it'll kind of come into your head and trigger that that subconscious I guess, uh, imprint that you saw before. What do you think happens after we die? Um, I don't think that we, we die. Like I think your physical body dies. I don't think you die. I think you just kind of, I don't know what happens and speculating is kind of here nor there. But, um, I think that whatever compromises kind of your, your consciousness or whatever you want to call it lives on, kind of indefinitely it doesn't it's recycled in some way there's a lot of i've read a lot of like interesting theories about it but it's also too like i try not to even because it's just like it's such a deep rabbit hole that you could never stop kind of going down um but yeah i don't think we really die like i think our soul carries on i don't necessarily i believe in kind of like a metaphor like almost like a reincarnated kind of Thing. This probably if you had to if you put a gun to my head and said what do you think happens I would say something like that it's some sort of reincarnation um, and you sort of reintroduce yourself into the physical world to, into a heaven or hell like circumstance depending on what kind of karma you've left on the earth that would be my answer if there was a gun to my head but uh, that's these these are I acknowledge that it's speculation as well <laughs> yeah I like what you said about not dying because a lot of 
uh, spiritual people that I've followed, like Ram Das and Wayne Dyer. Like they they talk about them leaving their body as mm-hmm. a instead of oh Ram Das died, they say Ram Das left his body at the state. And yeah, I think that's a a nice way to frame it because there's such a a pull, particularly in the West, about how negative negative of an event death is. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, kind of pushing against that idea. Yeah, I think that it's it's all based upon fear, right? There's a big mm-hmm. incentive for people to live afraid mm-hmm. rather than in faith, right? And um, I think that's a big piece of it. That's kind of like a big gripe that I have with secular religion is that it's it's you're what if you're if you are going to be religious you shouldn't be religious in fear Mm. you should be religious in faith right and even just on the the more broad concept of how you're living your life like you should always be a place of faith otherwise that you're gonna you're gonna attract and create more positive experiences compared to experience is if you live through the lens of a fear consciousness and it's not really that esoteric to think about either because if you're like it's just pretty simple the things that you're going the actions you're going to take from a place of fear are going to be much different than the ones you take from a place of faith thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast i apologize for the abrupt ending there but you can follow Logan at LogFitz6 on Twitter, and you can check out BodyOptic at BodyOptic.fit online. So just want to thank you for listening, and if you have any thoughts about this episode or want to share it with a friend, that would mean the absolute world to me. So thank you, and I will see you in the next episode. Peace.